Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we're in Philippians chapter 2. We will be putting in at verse 5, and where we kind of stepped off last time, and we'll go just down to verse 8. So, just to reflect back, Paul is in Rome. He's in prison. He is writing a letter to his beloved church in Philippi, the first church established in all of Europe. They loved him so much there. Uh, They have probably at this point understood and found out that he was held prisoner in Rome um, for being a Christian. They're probably, they've probably been devastated about this. He's writing a letter to encourage them in their faith. And he's been, he's been telling them um, how thankful he is so far that uh, he has them and that they have the gospel. And um, he's talking about um, really advancing the gospel, that they're all unified, they're all one together. And um, he is um, encouraging them that not only do they have unity in Christ, but uh, he's telling them um if there's any encouragement in all that the, the unity that they have through the gospel, that um, they should understand that they not only have this unity, but they actually have uh, the mind of Christ. Not only are they unified in spirit and in body, but they're unified in mind. And uh, his... Uh, his um, his faith and his ability to um, look beyond his physical situation um, and to be uh, even stronger in his faith uh, was something that was probably incredibly powerful to the Philippians. And we see from his letter that he, you know the people around him were speaking more boldly. The people, the Christians in Rome itself you know, um, talking about intimidation there, you know, how do you, how would you like to be a, um, a Christian in the, the capital of the empire that was, uh, that had, uh, 
uh, overseeing the death of Jesus, you know. So he is there, and uh, them putting him in prison um, really states a lot of their position against Christianity. But basically, he's taking the position that, you know, that's it's great because I get to, I was granted the opportunity to suffer for Jesus Christ. And uh, as he said, a verse that really stood out for me that in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 19, uh, and he says that, Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So in other words, he's saying, I am so happy that we have the ability to have prayer and the Spirit of Jesus Christ to help us. And uh, he has the ability, we have the ability to talk with him, pray to him, and also uh, we have his spirit to help us. So he's saying all of this encouragement just makes me stronger. And uh, he's talking now about having the mind of Christ. So they've been talking about the being unified in the body and unified in the spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, but he's talking about the mind of Christ. And so we begin this study with a question, is what truly is the mind of Christ? And what what are the characteristics of it? And you almost have said to yourself, have you wouldn't it be great to like meet to meet to have met Jesus Christ, just to see him in person? And you could probably see how 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 many wonderful things he did, or all the wonderful teachings he did. But what was actually in his mind? And he's Paul's laying out this beautiful um, description of the mind of Christ. In the first verse here that I wanted to look jump in at, at verse five, having this mind among yourselves. Okay, having this mind, we have this mind. Of course, we have this mind because we're all unified through the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. So we have Christ's body. We are His physical body. But we also have His mind. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So those who have been, who are in the body of Christ, who are unified in His Holy Spirit. And again, this is one of the mysteries of the church is how we are unified in the church. And as Jesus said, you know, you know, when we believe in Him, He says, I am in you and you are in me. We become unified in the Holy Spirit just as I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So we have a very similar relationship that Jesus had to the Father in heaven. We have the exact same relationship. I'm in you and you're in me. Just as I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, and therefore the Father's in you and you are in the Father. That's the amazing relationship that we have. And of course, he says, then you are unified in one another in the body of Christ. That's what we studied in Ephesians about. But now, Paul goes on to say, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
So he starts off by saying the, this mindset that Jesus had is yours. This mindset that if you are united with Christ in his spirit, he is encouraging them to, to be united with Christ in his mindset. We have, to, we have to think about the proper response to the Word of God is, our hum, is a humble heart. We've been saying that over and over almost in every book of the Bible that we've been, been reading is the proper response is a humble heart, to have a Christ-centered heart. And so he's, he's, uh, he's sort of giving another example about a mind that is centered on Christ. And what was Christ centered on? Well, Christ's mindset to, was to do the work and the will of the Father. And he says, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So, remember, Jesus Christ was God. He was equal with God. And as we saw in John chapter 1, you know, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. You know, that was before the world began. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then the Word became flesh. Talking about Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ was the Word of God. Jesus Christ was God. He was with God. And that's another one of these mysteries of God that we just can't fully explain or understand how He could be with Himself. He was the same person, but He was also a different person. And He's talking about men being made in the likeness of us. And so Jesus was equally with God, but his mindset, when he looked at it, um, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped. So once he took the form of man, he was so humble, even though he was equal, he was God, he was completely humble in the form of a servant. So, McGee was kind of going through some ways that these verses are talking about how Jesus humbled himself. And the, the sort of the first thing was his mindset. He did not count himself to be equal with God. He, he considered himself low even though he deserved glory, even though he deserved um, this. And he, he basically comes to us uh, as a joyful servant without concern that he was going to somehow lose his position in heaven. He wasn't worried about any of that. He wasn't worried about, you know, oh, I'm coming to give something to man, but but uh, I can't wait to get home to heaven. You know, he completely came out of love. You know, when for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should have eternal life. You know, John three sixteen. It was a gift of love. 
And as we go down in verse 7, but he um, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So he becomes human, being born in the likeness of men. So he was in the likeness of God, and now he takes the form of men. He becomes human. And when he does that, when he becomes human, um, you know, the, this word that um, he emptied himself, uh, as McGee points out, that's always been a, a, a sometimes a, a verse of controversy because some people developed this theory a long time ago of the kinos therapy. It's uh, this self-emptying means he he wasn't God anymore. He just was a total human. But, you know, uh, folks like McGee and, of course, my Bible study uh, um, research says all that was, you know, rejected because the more you look at it, uh, Jesus was God. I mean, if if he was if he emptied himself out and was just a total human, you know, he couldn't do any of the he couldn't do any of the the, the works that he did. He had the authority. He had the authority to do all of these things, and that he was equal with God, even though he was in a human form. Um, so emptying himself. McGee is saying that uh, was more in line that he emptied himself of the glory he deserved. He did not force any of uh, that glory. He was born uh, in total humility. You know, uh, if he had been born in the glory that he deserved, all of the angels in heaven would have been there. All the animals on the earth, all the powers and the rulers of the world would have had to show up. He would not have been born in a manger. He would not have been born into poverty. You know, he wouldn't have somebody even that night hunting for babies to kill because they had to, you know, uh, King Herod was trying to kill him. He would not have allowed him to even be subjected to the cold or the elements or hunger or anything like that. But he emptied himself of the glory he deserved. And uh, he didn't even, uh, you know, he, he come into Jerusalem, you know, uh, his glory point when he when he kind of comes in, he comes in on a, a back of a donkey. That was a physical scene of a, of a humble entry into a city, you know, and that, um, that, it wasn't until the night before his death when he's praying that he may that he was praying to the father that he was praying that that um his death on the cross would uh bring glory to um the father in heaven he wasn't taking anything on for himself but after his death uh the father then restored to him the glory that he truly deserved. So he didn't force any of this glory. He was born in total humility. And so McGee's pointing out that this emptying of himself was emptying of himself of the glory he deserved. And so being in the form of a servant, um, again, 
That's a hard thing to do, is to come and serve one another and to serve others. Um, you come in and the first thing you want is somebody to like you. The first thing you want to do is to be able to say, you know, I did something the right way and the other, and find favor with other people. We're so wired for that, you know. And so he came in total humility. Um, he basically came to... To, to teach, but he did it in the form of, of a total servant. So, again, verse 8, I'll just finish out our, our read. And being found in human form, he humbles himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He was born in the likeness of men, okay? And McGee's pointing out that, you know, how do you get your point across? How do you, uh, how do you approach mankind? Well, the easiest way to do it for them to know who you are is to become one of them. And McGee was using the analogy of, of if you were trying to get rid of ants, you know, you could either kill them or exterminate them, or, of course, one way to do is to become an ant yourself and, and drop down from your form down to a shrimpy little ant and go talk to the ants and say, you know, if you just leave me alone and get out and live outside, I'll, I'll put some food out for you and you won't have to mess with my house. But otherwise, if you stay inside my house, I'm going to have to kill you because I can't be in your, you can't be in my presence. The way you're doing, it's kind of like it's kind of like we're like the ants to God, you know. But when Jesus comes to Earth, he he took a far greater down uh, downgrade than even us becoming an ant. It was even worse for him. But it's sort of like that. You come, you become an ant, and then you take the risk that somebody can step on you, you know. And uh, you you take the risk that you can die pretty easy. And so that's kind of like what Jesus did. He came so that we could understand who he is more. So don't take that little line for granted, you know, being born in the likeness of men. But, you know, look how, look how many things that uh, he did so that we could understand like him. He was born in the likeness of men. Men could see him. They could they could see what kind of characteristics he had. We they could see what the nature of God truly is in him. This is the personification of God on earth. It's the personification of love on earth. It's the personification of joy on earth. It's the personification of peace on earth and all the fruits of the Spirit with patience and kindness and perseverance. All of these things, He personifies these, these qualities, these attributes. Back in Galatians chapter 5, the, the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the, Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the attributes of Jesus Christ. 
You want to know qualities of Jesus Christ, the things He personified? Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. That's what we see in Christ. And also, His descriptions of Himself are basically things, as we've studied over and over throughout all these books that we've done, you know, from the Psalms to the Proverbs to Galatians to Ephesians, now in Philippians, all of these things are are just simple analogies, simple examples. You know, Jesus Christ has described himself as the bread of life. He's described himself as water. He's described himself as a doorway or a gate. He's described himself as a vine. He's described himself as light. He's described himself as the way that one might walk or the pathway. He's described himself as the truth. He's described living like him as a walk. All of these things, you know, and there's more, but all of these things are simple things that people can understand. You don't have to be somebody super smart or go to college or go to, you know, some fancy Bible school or you don't have to be a fancy preacher or you don't have to be intellectual enough to write a book or, you know, at the head of the class to make the highest grades. No, anybody can understand God's wisdom. Anybody can understand these things because everybody knows what what water is and a door and a vine and a light and a walk, you know, or what bread is or food. These are things that people can relate to. And that's how Jesus describes himself. For people to understand. And down in verse 8, again, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. How difficult was that? To be so vulnerable that you can allow yourself to be to be killed. That would be like me and you trying to shrink down to become an ant so that we could go talk to the ants. Well, I mean, the first thing that that we'd be scared of is once we get down to the ant size, what are the other ants going to do to us? If we get down there and tell them, look, ants, you got to get out of our house because, you you know, we can't have you crawling around in this house or we're going to have to, you know, you won't live. You'll have to be exterminated, you know. We're doing it for your own good. We're telling you, you've got to change your ways and walk a different pathway. You know, there's different food for you. It's not the food in this house. But you just cannot live in this present house. You've got to change your ways, Aunt, because you are living uh, uh, a different way. You're living in the wrong way. What do you think you'd be concerned about? That the other ants would say, get out of here. We like what we're doing. And just to make themselves feel better, we're going to put you down, you know. And, of course, you know, all these other ants can outnumber you for sure. And just like uh, the ants, uh, you know, getting upset, that's what happened. The same thing, that's what happened to, to the people. And the Jews themselves. 
the religious leaders were threatened by Jesus' teaching because it exposed their hypocrisy and it exposed their own sin. And man's uh, sin causes him to reject the gospel. The Bible even points that out. And so God will not allow him on his own self to be rejected. He chose before the beginning of the world who would be his sheep. And as we learned in uh, uh, Ephesians that we were predestined, his children, he knows who his children are. He's not going to make a bunch of people and allow himself to be rejected by these people. So Christ humbled himself. He took a position of being fragile. He took a position, a low position, not only to serve, but to serve to the point of death because his presence on earth was not only to teach and to show the nature of God, but to be a sacrifice, to be a sacrifice for our own sin. And this sacrifice was a joyful sacrifice. It was given with joy. He did not come down, and as these verses are pointing out, he did not come down here reluctantly. He did not come down here because God made him come down. He did not come down here worried about getting back up to heaven pretty quick. He didn't come down here worried about losing uh, out his his spot with God the Father in heaven. He emptied himself of the glory that he deserved so that he could be with us and he could take the shame that we deserve. He wasn't worried about the glory that he rightfully had. He was worrying about taking, taking on the death that we rightfully deserve. And that is, you know, getting into the mind of Christ. That's getting into this beautiful picture of humility. So uh, that's our time for today. We'll stop here. And tomorrow we'll continue uh, our, our study uh, in Ephesians by looking at what's been called uh, as the hymn of Christ. You know, if Christ had a hymn... In him, not H I M. It's we're talking about H Y M N, a hymn like a song of Christ. It's it's this beautiful, uh, beautiful, uh, you know, little expose that Paul's writing about Christ Himself um, to describe so beautifully His mind and what He did for us the position of humility that he took. So I hope this is helpful and encouraging to you. And as as it said, uh, as we started off, this beautiful picture, this, this beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, this mindset of Christ is yours. It's yours in Christ Jesus. It is what he wants you to have in him as he is in you. So this is the part where I'll turn over the podcast to my partner and co-host uh, in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Um, please pass my regards to to uh, everyone there. 
I can't wait to hear what you're going to have to say about uh, today's reading. It's just every day just seems like it gets better and better in this in this great book. So many practical things. Uh, and as Matali, um, I heard from her yesterday. She's she was. I think she's really enjoying the study too. Um, it's real practical living where the pots and the pans are of life. So uh, for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And uh, I'll see you next time. Take care. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. So in Philippians 1, 1 to 4, we saw the mind of Christ. And um, the mind of Christ is um, others. When Christ put others um, before himself. So the mind of Christ um, leads us to the seven steps of humiliation um, of Christ. So this was uh, the descension of Christ from um, heaven when he came down here on earth. So, um, you know, Jesus Christ is um, God the Son, and it is beyond like our wildest imagination or comprehension of what Christ did for us. This is the love that he had for us. He put, he put us first before himself. Um, he was blameless, he was selfless, and um, you know, he reduced himself to human form. Um, beneath, he was beneath the the angels and um you know he he came out of um heaven's glories and down to earth so verse 6 reads um verse 6 sorry reads who being in the form of god did not consider it robbery to be equal with god so um this is the this is um step 1 of the humiliation of christ so he he did it out of love and out of joy and willingly when he came down when he reduced himself to um you know to human form from um him being god the son and he didn't think twice about it like he 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 didn't think oh hey what's going to happen if i actually um you know um leave heaven um in this you know heavenly place and um it's not something that he held on to he came down joyfully and um he ended on the cross and um he ended which ended in death he he became a curse for us he didn't think twice like um you know what's going to happen when i go will somebody else take my position or um you know someone else is doing a better job than than me oh hey look uh the abro the, the 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 angel gabriel might take my place no he didn't look at it like that um if he hadn't come willingly, it wouldn't have been a sacrifice. So, you know, as Christians today, let us have the mind of Christ. Let us, you know, I know it's, 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 you know, it's human nature. It's our old nature to always think selfishly, to always think of ourselves first. Hence, this is why we ended up crucifying an innocent man, you know, having him nailed to the cross. Because we always tend to think of our needs first before uh, the needs of others. So... Let us have a mind of Christ and um, let us think of others before ourselves. Um, this is, um, you know, a principle that um, is talked about in the Bible. And, um, you know, as Christians, we have to practice. 
verse um, 7, this is um, step 2 in the humiliation of Christ, reads, But made himself um, of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So he... You know, he emptied himself of something and, you know, not, not of his deity, you know, not of his position as, um, you know, God, the son. Um, you know, when he was here on earth, he was 100% um, God, be it like the time he was suckling from his mother's breasts or, um, or growing up the 33 years that he was here on earth. He never... Um, you know, emptied himself. He, he he never emptied himself of the deity of, um, you know, his 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 position as God the Son, but he emptied himself of the prerogative of deity. So um, he didn't force anything on anyone. He was born in a stable. He he was born in humbleness. You know, among us. You know, um, us. You know, um, you know, simple creatures. Um, simpletons here on earth. He wasn't born. He would have. Been, he would have chosen to be born in a in a palace, in a castle, you know, in 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 a mansion. And no, but he 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 came for. Um, he came. Christ came for the sinners. He came for the poor because we are poor, at 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 heart. We are sinners, and he came, um, in all humbleness, in all loneliness. So. To you know, um, today, this is why you find today a lot of people have actually heard about him. This is a king who rode a donkey. This is not a king who rode chariots and jets and and you know had had uh, you know silverware and and gold and and all those things. No, he rode a donkey and um, he laid aside his prerogatives of deity and um, he was, you know, this was God's manifestation in the flesh. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of people saying, oh, hey, we haven't seen God, the face of God and all. When Christ came down here on earth, he was God in the flesh. And, um, no one can go to God, the father, unless they go through the son. So, um, you know, um, John seven, John 17 verse five reads um let me just look for it um it reads this um explains like what um he emptied himself of so john 17 verse 5 reads um and now O father glorify me together with yourself with the glory which i had with you before the world was i have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. So, you know, verse 5 again. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So, um, he was still a God. He was God the Son on earth for the 33 years he was here on earth he never um he never did lose his position as um you know god the son um he just emptied his prerogatives you know um of deity 
um, of, 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 you know, God, the sonship, but he was still a God. Um, and, you know, he laid aside all that and um, he was God manifested um, in the flesh here on earth. So he gave up his position in heaven um, joyfully and, um, you know, with all his heart because he put us first before himself. So, um, you know, John 17 verse 5, you know, this was the Lord's prayer and he prayed to God the Father, you know, um, he, um, this, he says, you know, I want the glory that I had before the world and, um, he wanted to have his glory back as God the Son. So he, he was still God the Son here on earth. Um, for the 33 years, he actually um, endured here on earth. So um, he, he was praying to, to his father um, and asking for the glory he had before um, the world was. Verse 8 reads, um, And being found in appearance, of, oh, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So he was obedient, even at the point of death, even on the cross, he was still obedient to God the Father. Never once did he say, oh no, this is too painful. I can't do this anymore because he was God the Son. So um, he came to earth as a servant and um, he was a king, but he didn't make that claim, you know, um, until he rode into Nazareth. Never once did you find him saying, oh, hey, you know what? I am God the Son, you know, um, I deserve A, B, C, D, or, you know, um, he humbled himself. Um, he went, he, he was lowly, he was blameless, and, um, you know, this is something we have to emulate as Christians. Um, you know, let us be humble. Um, let us be in the likeness of Christ. Um, you know, let us, let us have humility. Let us put others before ourselves. This is love. Um, you know, like, um, let us have the mind of Christ. Let us always think others, others, others. So, um, he came amongst us, you know, the little people. He didn't, he, he, he wasn't born in, in, in palaces and, and, and thing. He was a very approachable guy, actually. Um, he was born in a stable, you know, among the animals and, um, you know, making him a king for everyone, a king for the poor, a king for the rich, um, a king for, for the black, blue, white, and green people. He was a king for everybody. He was, um, his name was um, above all names. He, he was um, the king of kings and the lord of lords. So step four, um, he was made in the likeness of, of man. So it was humbling to be made um, as man because, um, you know, he was a god. He was God the Son, and um, to be made in the likeness of man, and um, for him it was it was really humbling. And he was, you know, among the little people who he, who actually um, he came to serve in order for people to actually be saved. So um, he came to redeem man and show man God. So he is uh, a manifestation of God in the flesh, God the Father in the flesh. So um, he was. Um, you know, he was, he was, he was, um, he was God. He was, he was a manifestation of God in the flesh. And we can only go to God, um, through Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ is, is God with a face. So, um, he is 
He is uh, the bread of life. He's our rock. He was our solid foundation. He's our lighthouse. He's, he's all these names, but he, above all, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, he is the door. He is the rock. He is our firm foundation and he came to reveal God to us. So, um, you know, step five of the humiliation of Christ, um, he, he wasn't humbled by someone, you know, like, um, if we look at our setup today, people become humble because someone else humbles them. But in his case, he didn't have to be humbled by someone else, but he humbled himself. And this is a mind of Christ. You know, he humbled himself and he became obedient on the cross and um, he became obedient. He became obedient until his um, his 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 um, his death. Um, on the cross as well. He was obedient to God the Father. So um, these are the steps of um, the five steps so far of the humiliation of Christ. This is the mind of Christ. Um, he was humble. He, he, he didn't need someone else to humble him. And um, he came down um, willingly, um, joyfully, um, because he... He wasn't actually asked to, to do it. He did it for the sake of mankind. And um, he endured the cross for our sake. And he emptied himself of his prerogative of deity. And um, um, which he didn't, um, he, he didn't empty himself of his position as, as a God. He was a God here on earth. And um, he came as, as a servant. A servant for us all. A servant for you and me. So... You know, as Christians, let us practice and have the mind of Christ today. Let us be humble. Um, let us not wait for someone to humble us because of, um, you know, the transgressions they spot out, the mistakes they spot, us, spot out in us, or a situation. Let us not wait for a situation to actually humble us. Let's not be prideful. Um, let us, um, let us, let us have the mind of Christ. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening. God bless and have a good day. Bye-bye.